Welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Reverend Skylar Vogel, the senior minister of our congregation, and thank you for watching. What follows is the video from our service on January 24th, 2021. You will view the reading, the reflection, and the post-service conversation where we go deeper into the theme of the service. You are invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week, posted on our website, on Facebook, on YouTube, and your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, we hope you will give us a positive review. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading. This morning's reading is an excerpt from Elizabeth Anderson. Anderson is a poet, essayist, and professor who has taught both poetry and African-American studies, first at Yale and currently at Columbia University. The poem that we read today is an excerpt from her 2008 inauguration poem entitled Praise for the Day. Praise for the so praise song for struggle, praise song for the day. Praise song for every hand-lettered sign. The figure it out at kitchen tables. Some live by love, thy neighbor as thyself. Others by first do no harm and take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love? Love beyond martial, filial, national. Love that casts a widening pool of light. Love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun on the brink, on the brim, on the cusp. Praise song for walking forward in that light. At some point on Wednesday, two messages were released to mark the inauguration of President Biden. One was from Pope Francis, head of the Catholic Church, extending his prayers and well wishes to both Biden and America. He wrote urging Biden to, quote, build a society marked by authentic justice and freedom, together with unfailing rights for the dignity of every person, especially the poor, the vulnerable, and those who have no voice. Now, various news services described it as congenial and congratulatory and warm. Another message was sent from the U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops. Now that letter had a different tone. It accused Biden of pursuing policies that, quote, advance moral evil, specifically around abortion, contraception, marriage, and gender. News sources described that message as contentious, confrontational, and as assailing the new president. What makes this especially interesting, of course, is that Biden is Catholic and that Biden is very Catholic. Unlike past presidents who appear to be religious because they know Americans want them to be, Biden appears to actually be deeply devoted. He has said that if he hadn't gone into politics, he would have been a priest. He is known to privately slip into churches on the campaign trail and request that his staff find the local priest to talk with him when he's traveling. Biden carries a rosary in his pocket 
at all times. And even during the inauguration speech last week, he quoted the Bible and even took a moment of prayer and silence in the middle to honor those who have been lost to the pandemic. This, for me watching at home, felt like a very priest thing to do. And yet from the vast divergent messages sent to him on Wednesday, it's clear that the Catholic Church isn't really sure what to make of him. To some, he is a devoted member of the faith, a person to emulate an inspiring example of Catholic leadership. To others, he is an apostate that should be denied communion and barred from the church. The Catholic Church isn't alone in being unsure about what to do with, with Biden's faith. It is a faith that is held that is clearly sincere and yet undogmatic, one that grounds his life in almost always, yet ignores some of the church's most deeply professed teachings. What is that about, we might ask? How can he be all of those things at the same time? Part of the challenge, I think, is that our society in most of the Western world sees religiosity as an either or, a spectrum between two ends, either one, you are a believer, or on the other, you are an atheist, secular, non-religious goer. Anything in between is just lukewarm, insincere or confused, or a pale imitation of either extreme. It's easy for us as a society, for example, to understand what it means when someone says they're a conservative Christian. We know what that is. When Mike Pence says he is a Christian, their beliefs are generally predictable. At least we believe so. But what are we to make of Joe Biden's faith? In many ways, his should be similar for, simpler for us to understand, especially as Unitarian Universalists. His faith has a lot more in common with us than, say, Mike Pence's evangelical Christianity. Biden's Catholic faith is nuanced, personal, and non-doctrinal. He cares deeply about the church's teachings, but also thinks for himself. His faith is an invitation for us as Unitarian Universalists and other people across the country to reimagine and reevaluate what genuine religiosity looks like. You don't have to be a fundamentalist, it suggests, or closed-minded or uncaring to be deeply devoted. You don't have to be a rule follower or give away your own moral compass to be faithful. As Unitarian Universalists, we should understand this especially because we are in many ways in the same sticky middle ground between the true believers and the secular atheists. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who are so deeply confused about what we do here. They aren't against it, they just don't understand. They ask things like, why would you go to church if you don't have to believe in God? Or how can that be a religion when people believe all different things? Many of us even internalize these ideas that we aren't a real religion or we don't believe anything because we don't sit easily into that binary spectrum. What are we if we are nonconformists and free thinkers and non-doctrinal? But we still love ritual and community and storytelling and meaning making. What are we? I think that makes us religious liberals, which is a great thing to be. 
in which in his own Catholic way, Joe Biden is too. This is the beauty of religion. It is too complicated and strange and expansive to be contained by any one view of it, by any binary. The church's pope can love you and the bishops can openly wonder if you are evil. This is one of the major gifts our president has to offer. It's reimagining of what it means to be religious. A religion that navigates nuance, that gives itself fully over to the practices of faith, at the same time never sacrificing intellectual or moral independence. A faith that honors human beings over dogma and creed and outdated teaching. Now Biden's liberal views have no doubt been influenced by his life. And it's been a life that has been full of great loss, a grief of losing multiple children and also his first wife. We can't understand his faith and really the faith of religious liberalism without understanding this very humanness. We know that grief has the power to cut through all sorts of idolatries, to cut through nonsense and artificiality and pretension. It does this because it centers us and reminds us of what actually truly matters, the people that we love. It makes outrage over dogma look small, especially when that same dogma increases human pain through discrimination and the denial of human dignity. When we face down the depths of despair, the greatest sorrow that the world can offer us, whether that's through the loss of a life or a child or through the loss of a family member in a pandemic, it is a callous heart that clings to creeds or ideology over the humanity of other people. We see that Biden understands this when he speaks about his religion. He writes, for me, faith is all about hope and purpose and strength. Faith sees best in the dark. During his inaugural address, he quotes the book of Psalms, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. When we think of Biden as our new president, we must not forget that he is a religious president. Not in the same way that Bush was a Methodist or Reagan was a born again Christian or even Obama, a United Church of Christ member. And certainly not as Trump was an adherent of the prosperity gospel. I've seen Biden speak once, a long time ago in person. He was in Boston following the marathon bombings that had devastated the city there and thrown it and many of us living there into grief and anger. The church I served at the time was three blocks from where the bombs went off. I remember well the cacophony of emotion that I felt and my congregation felt that week. Feelings of grief, of hurt, of anger. Biden's words that week were that of a pastor, a comforter, a leader. I can't remember all that he said, but I was reminded this week about how good a choice he was to speak to that hurting crowd those years ago as we sought hope and comfort and strength. Now it should go without saying that we need to think deeply about any politician's policies and when we need to be critical of them. 
Part of the job of people of faith is to hold our leaders accountable to our values and to theirs. The Hebrew prophets of old did it, Jesus did it, Muhammad did it, MLK did it. But it is not naive to say that our country needs a president with a compassionate and pastoral presence, who understands that beneath the politics are human beings, feeling hope, needing hope, but also feeling grief. It's not breaking the separation of church and state to say that our country would benefit from our liberal religious voice that prioritizes people over doctrines. It is not divisive to say that we need a prophetic vision that understands individual suffering requires collective and government solutions on issues that individualism cannot solve. And it is not radical to say we need to be willing to do the right thing, even when accused of advancing moral evil. As President Biden begins his term, as he reads those two messages from his church, his beloved religious community, so discordant in their tone and message, I hope he will remember the kind of faith that inspires the right kind of leadership, the kind we need right now. It's the kind that offers hope in the hardest times, the kind that inspires us to work unceasingly for justice and freedom, the kind that allows us to deny labels and norms and the hypocritical condemnations of false religious leaders in order to serve the greater good. These here are the marks of a religious liberal. Sometimes they're Catholic, sometimes they're Unitarian Universalist, with all this nuance that religion can muster. This is a tradition of our new president. May he and we all stay true to our faith. Amen and blessed be. Today to get to sit down with Reverend Schuyler Vogel to talk a little bit about some of the deeper meanings and thoughts of this service. It was a, a really interesting service. Uh, it really had me thinking quite a bit about religious liberalism, what faith means in my life, what faith means in the president's life. Uh, and so Reverend Schuyler, I'm really excited to get to kind of dive a little deeper into it with you. So thanks for coming on with me today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So what does religion mean to you? Um, you know, start, start easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, an easy question. Um, so, so I'll readily admit that religion means lots of different things for lots of different people. For me, I carry with a much broader understanding of what religion is. I think it's informed not only by my own faith tradition of Unitarian Universalism, but also having studied religion in an academic space for uh, seven years. Um, and so this idea of religion being quite expansive is really important that the religion shows up in many different forms in many different ways. Uh, and in, in ways that we don't always immediately consider to be religious. Certainly Unitarian Universalism is one of those where you have atheists who are parts who are religious and what is a religious atheist that seems like a, a contradiction, but it's not in new use spaces. Um, so for me, religion is both is very expansive. And I think it's some really great specific definitions of it out there, which I do not have memorized, but but it it includes a couple of things. One, it's a system uh, of making meaning and significance in our lives. It involves community and ritual and tradition. So, you know, to be religious, you need to be engaged with a larger 
a larger conversation of people, whether that's history, you know, so, you know, a lot of religions have their, their historical texts, their hierarchies, their teachings. Um, it's, be, it's about being engaged with a system of, of people and thoughts and integrating that into your life in some way. Uh, and then being and, and engaging with that in a lived community, in a community that's around today. So, so for me, it's not about doctrine or belief. Um, you know, certainly there are religions that prioritize the idea of belief, but I think that's a, a Western misconception that religion is about belief. It's it's can be, but it's not always. There are a lot of religions presently and also historically that didn't really care about what you believed. Um, it was about the practice of it. It was about the community of it, the traditions and the ritual and being integrated into a lifestyle um, in a way of being intentional about your life. So, so for me, we do all that at Fourth U. We have a tradition, we have a community, we have ritual practices and you know, calendar year that we follow, celebrate that designed to make us meaning. We tell stories, we have myths, even if we don't call them that. We, uh, we have all those markings of religion even without having a set doctrine or creed. Did admirably for getting such a large question uh, at the get-go. Um, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting as you were talking, as you were talking about like the, this, uh, this dichotomy that exists in the way we do religion in the United States, that either, you know, you're this, this really firm believer or you're just an atheist. Like what's, you know, what's the point? And I remember as somebody who grew up evangelical Christian, I definitely, you know, would have been the type of person who like mocked like you use being like well what's the point of even like meeting if you if you don't uh if you don't actually believe anything um so it's definitely interesting for me being on the other side of that now and it's it's definitely a real tension that it, that exists in this country so you know what what's some advice for how we live in that tension and as we live in this society that makes us you know want to want to exist in a dogmatic way about religion like how do how do we how do we handle that t tension I think the first thing that has worked for me is to is trust myself and trust those people who I am around who are part of a religious liberal community that no one can define these terms for us, that we are empowered and that we are trustworthy and that, that we're not to be pushed around by other people's definitions. Um, I, I think it's very easy to seed the space because in some ways the the space and the the branding of religion in America particularly has been tarnished by closed-mindedness, by dogmatism, by all sorts of negative connotations, if, particularly if you are um, sort of in the left winging left sphere of, of politics or you know come from a space of education. But but those are, but that's a that's a powerful space to cede to other people. And so we, I think the first thing we have to do is allow ourselves the power to say, we're not gonna be pushed around when it comes to accepting definitions that don't fit us. And we can be, we can feel that power by studying history, by recognizing the diversity of religious experiences to the world. It's not, it's not just wishful thinking. Uh, people who study religion, people who study history, easily recognize without having to stretch any kind of definitions that religion is a vast and multifaceted reality. And so all we're doing is just acknowledging that um, and, and being clear that no one gets to define that space for us. So then um, that's, you know, we look at the history of it, we can see that the, the forces that exist in that binary are also historical creations. 
you know, that everyone comes out to fun fundamentalist, fundamentalist Christianity has emerged out of a historical context that in some ways is far less fundamental than the religion that they claim is sort of newfangled and modern. Uh, and that we're all products of some history at some point. And, uh, and no one gets to kind of lay claim or put their flag down on any definition like that. I imagine that someday, uh, I think that you and I could have fun putting together a whole uh, like multi-week series just about the history of, of Christianity, about UUism, where that comes from, sort of a future, future product for everybody to, to think about, um, you know, a church history dive with, with Ember and, and Skylar. Um, so as you're, as you're talking there, um, and kind of, you mentioned it a little bit in the reflection itself, as, as less dogmatic folks, as many of us maybe not religious at all in the congregation, um, in terms of like believing in a divine being or believing in a in God, um, for those folks, especially, and, you know, maybe for you on a, on a personal level, what is to think about the best ways to phrase this what's the what is the point of being religious um you know what why do you why why do people do it even if they uh maybe don't feel quite like they believe in the dogma of, of a given religion well i think it'll be different for every person uh, and i'd be curious those who are listening to this uh, video or podcast you, know, you are coming to fourth universalist or at least engaging with us in this way and uh, you may identify as religious, or you, you may not, but uh, we are certainly a religious community or fall within the spectrum of that. Um, the government treats us that way, and uh, we come from that tradition. The, for me, I, I identify as religion, or I, come to, I came into the ministry or participate in religious life because I appreciate the intentional practice of creating meaning, of connecting with people. I think it's really easy for everyone to go about their daily lives and be so busy or so distracted um, or just feel like they kind of miss the mark a bit in their life without having an intentional space to reflect on the things that matter or to realign them or to remind them uh, about what is important or to mark just the important passings of their life, you know? Um, and so religion, even if you're an atheist, right? Even if you're a humanist, even if you don't believe anything uh, theologically minded, we all have a desire, I believe as human beings to find some meaning in our life and to generally share it with other people. And so at Fourth View, we're not gonna tell you what to believe, but we are going to say your life matters and the things that happen in your life matter. And, uh, and that, that is true for no matter who you are, what you believe. And we're going to make sure that as best as we can, that those things that happen to you and that we all go through are lifted up as significant. Um, and, uh, and that's true when babies are born, it's true when people are married, it's, it's true when people pass away. Um, and they, they deserve to have their life honored. And we do all of those things. And for me, that's a profoundly religious thing. And it doesn't require belief in God or dogma or anything in order to to say this person matters and deserves to have their birth, their partnership, their death uh, held up. I think one of the things that you know I've experienced as someone new to, to UUism is you know discovering that real sacredness in in community, um, and that you know there can be just such a sacred element of being gathered together in this in this group of people who are all on their very different journeys, but they, we can acknowledge that we're all on these different journeys and do that together, and it's it's been really beautiful. 
Um, for, final, for a final kind of question, and this one is a completely different direction, um, is I, I was messaging with uh, some uh, folks who are a bit more atheist during the inauguration, asking uh, for their feelings. There was, as you mentioned, some very, very religious undertones in the, uh, in the inauguration. Do you think that that's maybe could be a little bit of a bad thing uh, in this, you know, pluralistic country that we live in? Great question, important question. I think it absolutely can be a bad thing. I am all for people of faith living out their lives and their calling of faith in public service, whether that's being president, whether that's running for city council or school board. We need people of conscience, particularly those who um, understand humanity over doctrine in places of power on a very simple level. But I think we get into trouble either at Fourth Universalist or in the inauguration day when we assume that people believe things or are united in ways that they are not. Because what that communicates is that there's, a, there's an in-crowd. There's those people who set the agenda and are powerful, those people who pray and those who don't, those people who are united under God and, and those who aren't. And implicit in those assumptions is a value judgment, right? If you can't say the Pledge of Allegiance and, and, and pledge under God, then maybe you're not a good American, right? Maybe this isn't the place for you. Um, maybe if your God isn't the God that I'm, that we actually are talking about, this isn't the place for you. So, so I think it's, it's something that we have to be really careful around. Um, and I think Unitarian Universalism as a, as a faith tradition certainly navigates that. And I think that people like President Biden, um, but anyone in public office could take cues from our, our ways of navigating religious diversity and religious in the broadest sense, right? Which is the pursuit of meaning, uh, of human experience. And, uh, you know, there's a way of taking a moment of silence, a moment of prayer and reflection in the middle of the inauguration speech, which is, you know, what Biden did that doesn't imply religiosity. Uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with explicit versions of religiosity that don't allow the fullest expression of the human experience. And I think we're really, really in dangerous waters if we, if we are not careful about that as a country. Um, because we are a secular country, uh, at least our government is. Doesn't mean we can't be tolerant and celebratory of the diversity of religious experience, but we should never prioritize one or make it look like government is blessing one form of belief after another. That's a very slippery and, and dangerous slope. That's a, a very solid answer. It was, it, was a, it was definitely interesting to watch the inauguration. Uh, and just thank you once again for a really insightful message uh, today. I yeah, I, I come away from it with, with lots of thoughts, and uh, I, I hope that the folks that got to watch this video and got to watch this, uh, uh, listen to the podcast, and got to dive a little bit deeper, that they can still be pondering those questions as well, and pondering how do we best live out this commitment. So thank you for coming on today and being part of this production. Thank you, Ember, and thank you for raising your questions. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you to all of our listeners. You're always welcome to like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. It, it helps make sure that this gets a little bit more visibility uh, on people's feeds and all that good stuff. So thank you to all of our listeners.